Uh, when was the last time you shared your story of how God rescued you with somebody else, with an unbeliever? When was the last time you told somebody else about how Jesus Christ came into your life, changed your heart, made you a new creation, and you're walking with him now? Who, who, who can remember the last time? Raise your hand if you can remember the last time you shared your story with somebody. You can remember it. All right. Well, today we're going to look at Acts chapter 26, where the Apostle Paul shares his story. The, the whole book of Acts has a key theme in it. And that theme is that Jesus's followers would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we see Peter on, in the first half of Acts, we see Peter on the front lines being a witness for Christ, testifying of the gospel, declaring the good news. And then we see the apostle Paul out on, on the front lines in the second half of uh, Acts, and he is bearing witness of the gospel. And as he's doing that, as he's carrying Jesus's name everywhere, he shares his testimony of how the gospel story intersected with his life story and how he became a Christian. And Luke thinks that this is so important that he includes this three times in Acts 22, Acts 24, and Acts 26. Now we we have enough, we have other speeches that the apostle Paul was speaking in, in Acts 17 and we have uh, his address to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 but here Paul is standing before a king in Acts 26 he's standing before a king Agrippa and he's giving his defense and he's using that opportunity to tell how he came to Christ before he was a Christian, how he came to Christ, and what God has been doing in his life since. And so that's what we're going to look at. For application, I would like to encourage you and give you some tips on developing your story and sharing your story with others. And if we have time, I'll open it up for a couple of people to share a two-minute uh, salvation story here today, okay? Father, as we open up the word, I pray that you would give us eyes to see what you want us to see, to hear, give us ears to hear what you want us to hear. And I pray, Father, that you would move us onto your agenda, that you would ignite our hearts ablaze for you, that we would, would clearly know our story, that we would know your gospel story, the story of Jesus coming to rescue us. And that we would be able to clearly articulate and communicate how that has impacted our lives as well. That we would be faithful witnesses in testifying to the gospel of grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 26. If you don't, it's up on the screen. I'm reading from the ESV. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, that I am making my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation in, in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. 
They have known for a long time if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand on trial because my hope is in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which the 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by the Jews, O king. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priest, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme and in raging fury against them i persecuted them even to foreign cities in this connection i journeyed to damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests at midday o king i saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone all around me and those who journeyed with me and when they had fallen and when we had fallen to the ground i heard a voice saying to me in the hebrew language saul saul why are you persecuting me it is hard for you to kick against the goads and i said who are you lord and he said i am jesus whom you are persecuting but rise and stand to your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen in me and the things in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins in a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to this heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and then in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds and keeping with the repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day... I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And he, and as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows that these things, for the king knows these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, 
but also those who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. And then the king arose, and the governor and Bernice, and those who were sitting with him, and when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, This man has done nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. And all God's people said, Amen. What a powerful testimony the Apostle Paul gave before King Agrippa. At this point in Paul's journey, he had shared his story many times and it was polished and he knew what he was doing. He was skilled and he was good at doing uh, sharing that testimony. The big idea this morning is simply this, is that the Apostle Paul was prepared to testify of God's rescue in his life. And to be effective witnesses, we must also be prepared to share the story of God's rescue in our lives. Amen? So Jesus prophesied in Luke 21 saying this, that before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before the kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Jesus told his followers, you guys are going to be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. When, when Jesus rescued Saul, who was a terrorist, he was a persecutor of the church, he was opposing Christianity. When Jesus rescued him, he said these words to, to Ananias. He, the Lord was talking to Ananias. He said, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Here is fulfillment of the words of Jesus. Paul is walking in his destiny. This is his time to shine. And I'm sure they weren't circumstances that he would have chosen himself. They weren't ideal, comfortable, cozy circumstances. He was imprisoned and had been for two years. And he's standing before a king giving testimony of the gospel and how the gospel affected his life. Oftentimes leaders, before they get opportunities like this, they have been practicing faithfulness and in obscurity before they have this time to shine before great kings and leaders. A great moment of influence like this. The Apostle Paul had been faithful in witnessing everywhere he went, both to the small and to the great. To the Jew and to the Gentile. He was just sharing the gospel freely. He was being faithful where he was at. And God had a plan for him. It, it, it involved suffering. It involved trials. It involved chains. It involved him going to Jerusalem. It involved him going to Rome. And Paul was confident that that plan was going to be fulfilled. The book of Acts ends with the Apostle Paul in Rome, okay, which was the governing power of that day. And, and, and he's there testifying of the gospel, freely speaking of the kingdom of God. So Paul's walking in his destiny. Now let's look at his structure, the way that he shared his story. So this is helpful for you and I to take note so that we can structure our own story around the gospel and share it effectively with others as well. 
Paul started off describing his life before Christ, before he was a Christian, before conversion. Notice some of the phrases in verses between verses four through 11. He describes before he came to Christ, what his life was like. I lived as a Pharisee. Opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Locked up many of the saints in prison. When they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I punished them often in the synagogues. I tried to make them blaspheme. In raging fury against them, I persecuted. Okay, These are descriptions of how the Apostle Paul was living before he was converted. Before he had become a Christian. Now, this isn't the only place he describe. He shares this. He also shares his story in, in Acts twenty four and twenty two, but also in a, in two of the epistles. One of them in Galatians. Paul shared his story. He said, "For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, and I tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among the, my people, so extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who had called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Paul's describing his violent nature. His He was in fury and zeal, uh, persecuting the church, thinking that it was a sect that should stop talking about Jesus, that it was he believed it was a sect that it was leading people astray. And in Saul's mind, he thought he was pleasing God. He thought he was doing what was right. He thought he was honoring God. He was he was ignorant. He was fooled he he didn't realize his uh, he himself was in darkness about who jesus is and needed to come to the light through the gospel of jesus christ he also mentioned his story in first timothy and actually let me go back here paul used his story with purpose and this is a tip this is something to take note of Paul used certain aspect of his, of his testimony to communicate a message. So here in Galatians, he's addressing an issue of legalism. And as he's addressing an issue of legalism, he mentions how he used to be extremely zealous and he was advancing in Judaism. He, he was like these legalists who think that they're pleasing God through their legalism, through their external keeping of the law and their zeal for the traditions. And and I think that's important for us to note. When you and I share our story with other people, we want to think through, how is this going to help? How is this going to connect? How is this going to point to Jesus? How is this going to help this person get to know Jesus and communicate the message of the gospel? He also mentions his testimony in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says, I, he says, I formerly was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy. I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of the Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. Paul is trying to make a point here. He was a sinner and God's amazing mercy and grace rescued him. And Jesus came to save sinners just like him. Okay. Sometimes Christians, when they're talking to non-Christians, they could give the impression that they're not a sinner. 
that they're holier than thou. And that will not help us win anybody over to the Lord if if you act as if you got it all together and you don't have any struggles in your life. Even the Apostle Paul can describe himself as a chief of sinners, as a foremost, as somebody... Jesus Christ has rescued that even the apostle Paul describes his need for the mercy and the grace of God. And so Paul shared his story. He shared it with purpose. He was winsome. He was effective in how he shared it. Notice next how he goes to how he came to Christ. So before Christ and then how he came to Christ. He says in verse 13, I saw on the way a light from heaven. He saw the light. I heard a voice, verse 14, I heard a voice saying to me, why are you persecuting me? He's describing how God, how Jesus Christ intervened, broke through into the history of his life. What were the details? What what opened his eyes? He was so blinded and so set against destroying the church. What turned this terrorist around into a missionary who gives his life for the sake of the gospel? I mean, that's just an amazing thing. Can you imagine a terrorist today being rescued and becoming a Christian? Somebody who's trying, a terrorist who's trying to destroy Christianity gets saved and becomes a radical missionary, pastor, preacher, going around telling everybody about Jesus. That is a miracle. And your story, if you're a Christian, if you're born again, God has done a miracle work in your heart as well. And church, I need you to share your story. I need you to be engaged with those around you to to articulate the story of the gospel and how that intersected into your life and changed your life. One of my roles as a pastor, one of the important things that I'm supposed to do as a pastor is I am supposed to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's not my job to do all the work of the ministry. I am to help equip you all saints to do the work of the ministry as an engineer as you're in the marketplace working in the in the dentistry industry uh in the music industry um at wherever you go it's it's my my role to help encourage equip you so that you can bring the gospel to to where you're at and reach people that I can't reach Okay, people that are in your sphere of influence that you have an open door to share the gospel with. And one of the ways that you can effectively do that is by knowing your story and articulating it and communicating it and saturating the gospel with it. Okay, when we share our testimony, it's not about us. We should always make it about Jesus. And that's what the Apostle Paul did. He was, he shared it with a purpose, not to glorify his sin and how much of a, a terrible person he was. Uh, you know, he was a sinner, but, but he wanted to magnify the grace and the mercy of God. The grace and the mercy of God. And so Paul shared before he came to Christ, how he came to Christ, and along with that, he's commissioned, he's, he's sharing his call and commission from the Lord Jesus with King Agrippa, describing his commission there. He says, I've appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you a servant and witness. God saves, saved Paul for a purpose. 
And he saves you and I for a purpose. Now, we may not be called to be an apostle like the apostle Paul, but every Christian is called to be a witness of Jesus Christ and to carry his name everywhere you go, to testify of him and his goodness. Uh, verse um, 18, to open their eyes that you may that you may turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins in a place among those who are sanctified in me. God rescues us so that he can work through us to reach other people. Like if we're on the lifeboat, if if we've been rescued from drowning and we're safe and secure in the lifeboat of salvation that Jesus Christ has provided for us and there are people all around us drowning, we would be heartless not to throw out a life raft when we can to those who are drowning out around us and let them know about the saving rescue of our Lord Jesus Christ that we've experienced. Your testimony is powerful. God has given you a story to share about his rescue in your life. I've used my testimony in several different ways. Just last week, I, I used my testimony um, after I came to the Lord, talking about the love of the Father and how in my history with God, I experienced the Father's embrace. The Father's love, which has brought healing and freedom and wholeness to me. That's after I came to Jesus. And so I use that to encourage you all last week with the love of the Father and how we need to experience the love of the Father. On on Thursday, uh, I, there was a young man out front, outside, who showed up on our doorstep. I was meeting with Ivy's dad. And this guy showed up addicted, broken, hopeless, in despair, had no place to go. And you know what? All of a sudden, our meeting just changed. Me and Ivy's dad had a meeting to talk about Jesus up here. All of a sudden, our meeting shifted to meeting with this guy and sharing the gospel with him. And I shared my testimony with him. And one of the aspects of my testimony that I shared with him is how I used to be addicted to drugs. I used to use drugs. And, and I was, I was, my dad died, my little brother died. I shared with him some of the heartbreak that I experienced before I became a Christian. And I did it with the purpose of one, connecting with him and letting him know, like I've experienced some of those hardships as well. But, but then also trying to give him hope that the gospel of Jesus Christ has provided for me and sh trying to share it with him. Not to glorify how bad I was. As a thief, as a drug addict, as a drug dealer or anything like that. But to glorify Jesus in his saving rescue in my life. And so this guy was just broken, crying. Uh, we walked him through the verses on the bracelet, the Romans road, and prayed with him. Shared the gospel with him. I wrapped up my testimony. I saturated it with the gospel of Jesus Christ and communicated it to him. And it was such a powerful time for uh, Mr. Ricardo and myself to see God at work. And, and one of the questions this young man asked me, he said, you know, well, you know, when you become a Christian, like, what do you do for fun? Like, 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 I mean, what am I going to, what do we do for, what do you do for fun? And I, and I kind of smiled and I said, man, what, what I'm doing right now, this is what I do for fun right now. All right. Helping other people out. Like this is, this is what I look forward to the most 
is seeing lives like yours being touched by the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ and experiencing hope and freedom through you coming to Jesus. Amen? And so that was a powerful time. Uh, we had some neighbors that invited us over to Memorial Day a, a couple few weeks ago during Memorial Day weekend. And friends, that they came over as well. And it was a party. It was a pool party. It is a pool party that involved alcohol and jello shots, uh, of which my, my little daughter was going to get... And my wife wasn't really aware of jello. She's not too familiar with jello shots, all right, that have vodka in them. And they were like, party! You know, I, I was talking to this lady who brought the jello shots, and she was very animated, and she was, you know, she had very colorful language. And as we were talking, I communicated that I'm a pastor. Maybe she asked me what I do. I said, I'm a pastor. And all of a sudden, she like, she changed. Like, she just totally, her whole demeanor changed. Like, she straightened up and she's wanted to start talking a little bit about God. You know, sometimes, sometimes I don't tell people that I'm a pastor just so I can, you know, talk to them without them knowing that. But then, then oftentimes it's helpful for me. That's a helpful segue into a, a spiritual conversation. One, I, I shared a little bit of my testimony so that she wouldn't feel intimidated and judged by me. Like, you just said all this stuff. Yeah, I'm a pastor. I know I, you're, you're in for it, right? So I shared with her my background and how I came to Jesus and how I, how God was gracious and kind to me. And there's it, this was just a, a hurting young lady who had been through some really painful times. And her family had went through a really hard season in life. So I shared my story and then she just opens up and she just, she talks for an hour, like an hour. She's like, I feel like I need to pay you for like a counseling session. Like she just like poured out her heart and I shared simple testimony of how God rescued me and gave hope to me and redeemed me. And then it made way for me to speak into her life. I listened I listened to her story and her background. I asked questions and heard her story, shared my story, and it was it was amazing gospel conversation. This was a divine appointment. God wants to fill our lives with moments like these. And they're coming our way all the time. The question is, are you ready for it? Are you aware that they're coming your way? And are you ready for those moments? Because if you don't have the gospel ready, the shoes of readiness to share the gospel, Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, you're not going to be gung-ho about sharing, right? You need to be prepared and ready. Paul described in Colossians 1, 13 and 14, he said this, speaking of the domain of darkness, from darkness to light. He wrote the, the Colossian believers, he says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Now think about this. Before you were a Christian, you were under the domain of darkness. And living under the domain of darkness is oppressive. It's dark, it's despairing, there's lack of peace, it's, we're, we're dominated by fear, guilt, shame, addiction, brokenness, hurt. The domain of darkness carries all these things, okay, and, and so much more. And it's, it's torment. Satan is not the kind of ruler you want over your life, and not the kind of person you want to be with for eternity, 
And so Jesus Christ comes in and he sets us free and he transfers us into his kingdom, his everlasting kingdom, where there's forgiveness of sins, where there's redemption, where instead of torment, there's peace and rest for your soul. Instead of immorality, there's righteousness, godliness and purity. Instead of despair and gloom, there's joy unspeakable and full of glory. We become new creations in Christ Jesus. Instead of aimlessly wandering throughout life, not knowing where we're at and where we're going, we have purpose and hope and vision and meaning in this life. And we have a hope that goes beyond this life into the life to come. And so we've been delivered from the domain of darkness, transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. I don't know about you, but this gets me excited to tell somebody about Jesus because of what he's done. He's been good to us. And if you go to a good restaurant and you've tasted some good food, you're going to go tell somebody. You're going to, you're somebody, it's going to come out of your mouth. You're going to talk about it. Oh, go check out that Texas Day Brazil. It's the bomb, right? Uh, You're going to tell somebody, and when you've tasted and you've seen that God is good, it's going to come out. And if you're spending time with God daily, tasting and seeing that he's good, and, and your history with God doesn't just stop at conversion, but it's ongoing. You're daily in the word. You're in prayer. He's answering prayer. You're talking to him. He's talking to you. He's intervening in your life. You got something to share. We serve the living God. He's not dead. He's alive. And he's active in the lives of his people. Sometimes I wonder if we really believe that. If we really believe that he cares. He does. So Paul shared his story before he came to Christ. How he came to Christ. And then after conversion. He said I was not disobedient to this heavenly vision. But I declared it. And in verse 22 he says to this day I have had the help that comes from God. God has been with me. He's been helping me. He's been walking with me through difficult times. And I've continued to testify both to the, to, to the small and to the great. Look at verse 23. He wraps up his, his testimony in the gospel. He says that Christ must suffer. And that being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people. Paul uses his testimony as a means to testify of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't want to just talk about him because people aren't going to get saved just by hearing your story. They're going to get saved by hearing the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ and believing in Jesus Christ who died for their sins and rose from the dead. Okay. And so we can share our testimony without actually evangelizing and sharing the gospel. And if we really want to help people and see them experience God's rescue, then we can, we should share our story in view of sharing the gospel story as a means of talking about Jesus and how awesome Jesus is. When we talk about ourselves a whole lot and it's to glorify ourselves, it's like eating a whole bunch of sweets. Like you might feel good at the moment, but then you're like, you got a tummy ache after you're like, Oh, why did I do that? Why didn't I talk about Jesus? Like give them some substance, give them more than just, just me. So we're not just pointing people to ourselves. We're pointing them to Jesus, the one who can rescue them as well. So here's some tips from Paul's life and sharing the God, sharing your story effectively. Paul shared his story with readiness. He was ready to share his story. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Be ready, church. 
um, Paul shared his story with respect. Notice how he addressed Festus and, and how he addressed Agrippa. He's, you know, he says, most excellent Festus. Like he, he uses respectable terms. He's honoring. If you're disrespectful, if you're a jerk for Jesus, it's gonna just, it's gonna create barriers. And, and it, and it may not be that the gospel that they're rejecting, it may be our bad attitude that they're rejecting. And so we don't want to put up any stumbling blocks for people. Paul shared his story with reason and rationale. He spoke with rational words. Like, make, get your thoughts together. Like, and, and try to, try to clear out the clutter of religious jargon that doesn't make sense to a non-Christian. Try to speak in plain terms. Make it plain to them. Just, just tell them. I was blind and now I see. I was dead and now I'm alive. Like, use terms that they might, that they might understand. Okay. Craft your story according to the audience that you're speaking to. So for three years, I led a basketball group that met on Monday nights and we'd play basketball. We'd do a devotional. We'd share the gospel. Oftentimes I would share my testimony with these young men from the inner city. And when I would share my testimony with them, I talk different depending on who I'm talking to. Like if I'm talking to a Latino brother, I kind of have a, a Latino accent or an Indian brother or an Indian accent or sis, sister or, or African American. What's up, bro? You know, I, I just, I, my, my wife laughs at me for this. I, I do this just not even thinking about it just because my goal is to connect with people so that I can point them to Jesus, right? And so, so in that kind of way, you can, you can, you can craft how you're communicating to them, but also what parts of your testimony that you share with them. Like, so I share, when I, when I'm speaking to young people, I share with them some of the, some of the struggles that I had as a young person with, with stealing and, and, and relationships, immoral relationships and how I was looking for my value and identity and purpose through drugs and through relationships and the things that I was doing as a young person. So we want to share our story with reason, with relevance. Paul did it with relevance. He, he, he met people where they were at without sacrificing the truth of the gospel. Be, be aware of trying to be so relevant that you downplay the truth of scripture. All right. We, we should be relevant with the purpose to share the truth of scripture. Paul shared it with boldness. He said, I speak these things boldly to you. He's standing before a king who could have his head cut off right there. And he's like, I'm, I'm boldly sharing these things with you, Mr. King, right? And then share it with a purpose to share the gospel. So an application here, be ready to share your story by writing it out. If you haven't written your personal testimony out, write it down. Take the time to write it out in a journal and prepare a two, three minute, 10 minute and 30 minute, three minute, 10 minute and 30 minute testimony. Just write it out. And then share it with somebody. Practice sharing it on a coworker and just say, hey, my pastor said this week that I'm supposed to write out uh, my testimony. I'm supposed to share it with somebody this week. Can I practice on you and choose a non-Christian, right? <laughs> practice it. And you know what? Twice a month, Pastor Mike and I go to Dallas Life Foundation and we speak to about 100 people and we share the gospel with them. Sometimes we have people share their testimonies with them. When you're ready, we want you to come and share your testimony on a Tuesday night when one of us are there before a hundred people, diverse group coming, uh, staying in the shelter there at Dallas Life Foundation. We want to give you that opportunity to do that. And you know what? I also want to have every one of us share our testimony on video. 
I want to record, we want to record you sharing your testimony so that you can take that and post it on your Facebook, on your Twitter, on your Instagram, and not be ashamed of the gospel in that space. Okay? But to testify of God's saving grace and mercy in your life. Amen? And so we got to be ready. And the way that we're ready is by writing it out and then practicing it, sharing it. I've shared my testimony so many times. I often share it. One of the things, one of the reasons I love to share it is because, is because I'm able to say some hard things with a soft way where I'm able to put it, I'm able to put it, put the, the weight of what I'm saying on me. Like this is who I was. I was a wretch. I was headed for jail and hell. I know you are too. It seems like it here, but, uh, you know, but you, you can, you can convey truths without being too confrontive, uh, with them. Now, I think it's important to be loving and, and, and confront folks with the truth, especially if you're implying that they need to repent, you know, and, and trust in Jesus. You can graciously do that. Just say, you gotta turn. Okay? So be respectful in how you do that. First Peter 3.15 says this. It says, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Be prepared and be respectful. Okay? And, and by the way, you don't have to wait until somebody asks you. Uh, you can, you can engage with them and ask them about their spirituality. Next thing you know, they'll, they'll probably ask you, well, what, tell me about yours, right? When you take the time to listen to them, when you give an ear to them, be relevant. Paul said that, he said, I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in the blessings. Now, let me just say this too. Paul, Paul's hope and confidence was not that he was the savior and that he's actually giving people eternal salvation, but that it's coming from Jesus. Ultimately, it's Jesus and the gospel and the spirit who is opening blind eyes and making dead people alive and saving people. He's just the messenger communicating the message, right? And lastly, be Christ-centered in the way that you share your story. Point people to Jesus. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Amen? So, who's ready? I said be ready. Who's ready? Who wants to give their two-minute salvation story of how God rescued you? Putting you on the spot. Come on, Ellie. Sure, let's see. So, before, I was very self-reliant. There was a problem, I would fix it. That's my that's my go-to in stressful situations. Just figure out how to fix it. Focus on fixing the next thing and the next thing. My marriage was really, really in a bad place. And I was doing everything I could to fix it uh, systematically, just... Health-wise, my looks, my clothes, my the way I, my gratitude, my everything that I could change about myself, I was changing, and and it just wasn't, it wasn't working. And I met um, at where I was working. I met a chaplain, and he was consistently um, coming alongside and preaching the gospel. And at that time, I was just like, look, I'm so glad that you have an imaginary friend that you can talk to about your problems, but I, I need something real. I have real problems. And so it it came down um, where things were just really bad, 
And I remember calling and crying and, and saying, what, what do I do? I've done everything. What else can I do? And um, this person saying, you know, pray. You, you've done everything you can. You've tried this. That didn't work. You've tried that. That didn't work. Pray. And so um, the prayer was short and sweet and tearful along the lines of, like, God, if you, if you fix my ma- I would do anything if you would make my marriage work. Um, and two days later, I, I found out that uh, that there was an affair. And I thought, I called angry, like, is this is this the answer from your God? Um, and and I understood it to be like, no, I think this is God answering your prayer. If if ever your marriage was going to work, this had to be out and in the open. And um, over the course of a week, just really seeing God move in my life and, and understanding that, that I had sinned and that Jesus died for me and that I was forgiven helped me to be in a place where I was able to look at this, this situation and say, I can forgive this person because God forgave me. And what this person has done to me you know, in, in this circumstance, I have done so many times over to God. And and I was able to rest, and I was able to sleep peacefully, and I was able to have joy and not be angry, um, which was not the me before. <laughs> and I realized later that, like, God's intention for me was me to be new. I was in this constant pursuit of being better. Being better, that'll fix things. I'll be better. I'll be better. Um, and Ephesians 2 it just, just clearly outlines it for me that that was, he wanted me new. And so I am. Amen. Woo! Thank you, Ellie. All right, who's up next? Come on, Micah. Okay, I'm going to set the timer here. Two minutes. Two minutes. <clears throat> Especially for this former Marine. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly right. All right, two minutes. Here we go. The thought of believing in God, that there was a God, started from a very young age, but actually following Jesus was a different tune. Most of my life, starting very young, I was very immoral, sexual sin, started drug use when I was 14. Um, man, just was going off on a, a complete wrong path, continued in that sin. Um, joined the Marine Corps right out of high school. Um, the Marine Corps had a lot of good things about it, some discipline, but it also had some bad things. I think it just kind of magnified those and almost made them get worse. And then after I get out of the Marine Corps, that's when everything really started to spiral out of control. I, uh, man, I just partied, you know, womanized, drug use. And the big explosion was I was actually selling drugs with a lot of my friends and was going up to Colorado and getting a bunch of drugs and one of my friends got caught. Well, he worked with an informant and he put a GPS on our buddy's truck and that's kind of the big explosion. That's when everything went south and man, just started to look at my life in a whole different direction. Um, Moved down here to Dallas in 2013. That was the first time the Lord really started work on my heart. 
Um, I was around some real Christians at Gateway. My brother and my sister-in-law were so loving to invite me into their home, and it was the first time I'd really been around some Christians. I was like, man, I want that. I remember being at Gateway. They had this habitation prayer service that they would go to every month, and it was like, man, they were so unified, and I wanted it. I was like, man, they look like family. That looks like family to me. Like, and it looks so real and genuine, and I wanted it. But I still wasn't there yet. And it was shortly after I left my uh, brothers and sisters, I was going to DBU, and then I started getting back involved in some of that sin. And the next thing I know, when I was supposed to be worried about getting graduated and finding a job, I said, hey, I'm just going to get focused on Jesus. So that's what I did. I just got my eyes set on the Lord, and the next thing I know, man, I was set free. And then that's when I came into CCI and CCG. And everybody was like, man, this guy's out of his mind. But I wasn't out of my mind. I was just extremely excited that I found the Lord and, and I had been saved. You know, born again, like they say. So praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right, Flora. To say this earlier, because we have some dramatic testimonies here. And like the Apostle Paul, is your, te- your story does not have to be dramatic to be powerful. Like some of y'all, like my wife, started following Christ at a young age. And there, 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 weren't, there wasn't this, I saw this light from heaven kind of thing, or I was selling drugs kind of thing. It was like she had parents who were pointing her to Jesus at a young age. And at one point, she consciously put her faith in Christ. And that's the kind of story I want my kids to have. I don't want them to have a story like mine. I want them to have a story more like my my wife's story, where we're pointing them, like Timothy's story, you know, from from childhood. You've been brought up in the ways of God and Scripture, and 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 um, and you've known them from childhood. And so he, from his grandmother, his mother, and then he gets discipled by the Apostle Paul. I mean, it's like this guy has a testimony of. That's different than Paul's, but he still had a testimony not to be ashamed of, not to be timid about sharing with others. Okay, Flora. So um, I grew up in China and just being raised in a family that they are atheists. So I never heard about Jesus, never heard about God. And I know several religions that are popular in China, like Buddhism or Taoism or atheism or family worship. So um, one of my friends that she phrased it very well, she felt like religion, like Buddhism or Taoism, which we never really get deep to know those religions. We know people typically they do a lot of rituals to practice our religion. So my friends phrase it like, she always felt religion is for someone are either really, really good or really, really bad. And like us, that we are very normal people, ordinary people, we don't really need a religion. And so that's just kind of like a general mindset. I grew up, found, uh, felt always like that. And, and not all the way until uh, college that I met several missionaries, and that including David and several others that who are in our college. And... I just felt, you know, they, I know they're Christian and, but then I don't know what they believe. And so just the process of getting to know what they believe and that really struck me because, you know, 
I never heard about Jesus, but then I know this um, from them. I can come to know he is he exists in history. He's not like a fiction, like a mega like a person um, in the book, and you know that's no nothing you can chase back. And I just said, wow, like okay, so he's real and. And then so it's like Paul, uh, the king, Agrabah, you know, all those people that I can go to Wikipedia and just look them out. It's just like, what, like, what's going on? And then just most powerfully, I see so many life that are showing in those missionaries that life because they never say, look at me, like I'm doing kind thing or look at me, I'm doing this. You know, they just usually simply go into one passage of the Bible and say, Flora, this is what Jesus tell us when we're facing difficulty, like number one. And, you know, they will also admit sometimes we fell short of this, but then we, you know, this is how we usually deal with it. We pray with it or we have fellowship with others and, you know, encourage one another and just kind of join that community. And that means my heart's, I completely transformed from that process and it's really powerful. And even like today, you know, with my David, our marriage, sometimes I just felt it's really powerful. Um, when we have comfort, it's so easy to either kind of attack or just shut down and the conversation, which I still do often. But then I, in my heart, I know that's not what Jesus commands and, I'm willing to reconcile and don't want to have any kind of, uh, what's that word? Unforgiveness. Yeah, unforgiveness between us. So just, yeah, so God's good. Yes. Awesome. Amen. Hey, and they are going to back to China soon. Um, and so Florida is going to have lots of opportunities to share her testimony with family. So if we would pray for them. As well, Michelle and Daniel are as well. And so, so Lord, give them great opportunities there in China to testify of the gospel of grace. And we pray that family and friends would be impacted in Christ's name. Amen. All right, David, last one. Well, first of all, I want to clear up. We don't have any conflict. We're <laughs> completely perfect in our relationship. No. Um, Tell us your secrets. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, we, we do, but by the Lord's grace, we can get through that. So here we go. I'm on the clock. So I wanted to share my testimony because I fell, I fell into that category of having a, a great Christian family, raised in the church, um, did a lot of good things, you know, lived a good life. Um, my mom tells me of when I became a Christian at four which I have no memory of, but, you know, you know, perhaps that was a kind of the conversion experience, but I just remember going to college as the first time in my life, I was not under the wing, under the shelter of my parents. And so I was like, well, maybe I'm going to just try to figure out life on my own, you know, a little bit like Solomon, how he wanted to kind of seek, you know, purpose and meaning and pleasure and, and whatnot. So I, I did a little bit of kind of going to, to parties and maybe, you know, that's a good thing. Maybe that's a, a fun thing, but, you know, it just felt like, no, that's, that's emptiness. That's, 
you know, these people don't have a life that, that I, I think is really going anywhere. And then, you know, join different kind of business associations. People, wow, these people are going to be making money. These people are going to be influencing the world. But, you know, ultimately you kind of look at that and, no, I mean, that, that all, you know, just is, it's, it's all going to fade away. And then you, you see people who are doing good, you know, they're, you know, serving, they're doing uh, kind of service projects and whatnot. And that's great, but ultimately, you know, that's not going to last forever. That is not going to have eternal rewards. You know, it's, it's a good thing. And so, and so it, did, it took me back to, you know, what is going to be, you know, everlasting? What's going to be imperishable? What's going to, uh, you know, be, you know, in heaven forever? And that is knowing Christ. And, uh, and so that was something that brought me back to, you know, just kind of Christian, the, the faith, Christian fellowship, really giving my life to the Lord. And, and that's really kind of been my heart, you know, ever since is just knowing Christ and um, walking with him and, and, you know, just knowing that, you know, everything we do apart from Christ doesn't have, you know, eternal merit, but everything we do in Christ will, will go on forever. And then on the flip side, there's consequences if you don't know Christ. If you don't know Christ and you die, then, you know, there's a real hell that, that you're going to go to. And, and that's something that really just, you know, hit me like a Mack truck whenever I, I stepped back after giving my life to Christ and was just so grateful that, you know, I was in Christ and was following him. So that's my uh, testimony. Amen. Amen. Great job, y'all, being ready on the spot to do that. I know two minutes is really hard to 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 do that in, but sometimes you only have those elevator moments or you're at the grocery store in line for two minutes and and so you got to be able to share real quick the main points of what what God has done and, and how he rescued you and sometimes you may just want to emphasize one thing notice how how David talked about hell something that's hard to talk about but how he put it on himself like I you know I knew that if you die without knowing Jesus, you go to hell. And I didn't want to go to hell, right? And so he's, that's kind of like a subtle way of talking to somebody about hell, the reality of hell, without saying, you're going to hell, right? And so you can use your testimony in that way. Let me close in just saying this. So our vision here is to know Jesus, love people, and impact your world. And the way that we have, the strategy that we have to get there, to, to know Jesus, love people, and impact your world. The way we, we have planned and aimed to w- live that out is by us having encounters with God through prayer, His Word, and worship. Okay, For us genuinely knowing God, and not just way back then when I became a Christian, but an ongoing relationship where we're knowing Him, encountering Him, and then through being equipped, equipped to do the work of the ministry. We want everybody here to be equipped to be mature Christians who know how to share their faith, who know how to have a quiet time, who know how to pray, who know how to connect with other Christians, who, who know how to serve others and be others oriented. Okay. And then, and then through, um, uh, engaging in fellowship with one with another and genuine authentic community. And then lastly, we, we plan to live this out through evangelizing the lost 
Okay, bringing the gospel to every relationship. We want to impact the world through that, through knowing Jesus and having that deep, intimate relationship with him and then carrying those truths and that that experience of knowing him and sharing that with other people, sharing the gospel that has changed our lives with others. And church, I need you guys to do that. We all need to be actively engaged in doing that. And just think of what kind of impact we could have if every one of us are faithfully doing that. We're encountering God. We're having this deep connection with God. We're experiencing God and we're talking about God because we love him and we want others to know him, right? Okay, so we've gone way over. I'm going to close. Father, thank you for this time. I thank you for the stories of rescue that we heard today. And there's many more, God. And I pray that you would help us Help us to be prepared to share ours, God. Help us not to be ashamed to overcome our fears and insecurities and just give our lives fully to you into doing your will. I pray that this week you would give us divine appointments and that our people here would, would write out our testimonies, their testimonies and share them and share the gospel and come back with more testimony of what you're doing in their life this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. Lift up the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace.